0: This is Charles Slavik of the Society for American Baseball Research, and you are listening to the Total Sports Recall podcast, a part of the Sports History Network. Now, here's your host, Harv Aronson. Welcome to the Total Sports Recall Podcast. This is Harv Anderson, your host, and I previously interviewed North Hills High School Hall of Fame inductee and former University of Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker, Steve Fidel. And once again, the intro to the show was the North Hills Fight Song. It was used for this podcast because in this episode, I have a special guest who also starred for North Hills football, James Cass- Cassandra. North Hills High School plays in the Western Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic League, or the WPIL, and our guest is James Cassandra, who played for North Hills and when they were in the WPIAL championship in 1981, which the team lost but came back the following season and won the title. James was a three-year starter at fullback for North Hills, but also spent one season as a kicker and played defensive tackle. After graduating from North Hills, James furthered his education and football career at the California University of Pennsylvania, where on the gridiron, he was a three-year starter and lettered in all four years at the position of fullback. In his junior and senior years, James Cassandra was named to the all-conference team, taking home the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference Player of the Week at one point in his career, California. After college, James coached football for 33 years, 29 of those at his alma mater, North Hills. James also served as head coach of the school's varsity women's lacrosse team for 11 years. James remained a teacher at North Hills for 35 years until his retirement in June of this year. James, I'd like to welcome you to the show, and as I said to Steve before you, I'm honored not just to have a fellow North Hills graduate on the show, but one who shined on the football field as you did. Thank you for joining the show for this episode.
1: You there, Thank James? Thank you, Harv. I'm excited to uh, to get the ball rolling. All yes, right. yes, I'm excited, Harv.
0: Well, James, it's an ironic twist, but here we are, alums from the same high school but rivals when it comes to college football. I graduated from another state school just up the road from California University of Pennsylvania, Slippery Rock University of Pennsylvania. And it turns out, I found out today, our two schools are playing each other this weekend. The Rock has yet to lose. It's ranked seventh in the country while the Vulcans are 5-1 and one with a four-game winning streak and ranked 22nd. What do you make of this matchup? And also, when I graduated, the Rock was still being called Slippery Rock State College. When you left, had
1: California gained their university status yet? Yes. Uh, my freshman year, we changed over from a state college to a university. And um, my, so I my degree came from California University of Pennsylvania. And what about this weekend? Slippery Rock versus California. What do you think? Yeah, I'm excited. I've only been back to one game since I graduated. Uh, last, uh, last football season, I went to see a former player of mine, Timmy Sudo, who played at Fairmont State. Fairmont State was playing California, so I went up to the university to uh, to w- really to watch him. But that was the first game I was ever back to see since I graduated. So I haven't been following them too closely, but I'm uh, I'm always rooting for the Vulcans. I know they had about a ten year span where they were, you know, as good as anybody in Division Two football. Um, but I understand Slipper Rock's been having a pretty good season. So I'll be rooting yeah, for the yeah. Vulcans. But who knows? Uh, who knows how the game's going to go?
0: Well, it should be good. I didn't realize that they were having such a good season. And, and Slippery Rock has been perennial over the last few years as far as uh, winning that conference and then getting to the NCAA uh, Division II playoffs. And, and they've gone uh, pretty deep sometimes. Uh, I'm hoping this will be the year that they get further. I do watch them uh, by streaming them. I, I've followed them since I uh, since I left. Uh, these past few years, Slippery Rock's football team has experienced uh, enormous success. Um, and so, and this, this year, like I said, they're undefeated. They're ranked in the top 10. Um, but obviously you played against Slippery Rock. Any games against Slippery Rock to stand out for you when you were there?
1: Yeah, I recall one, uh, it was, it was up their place. I had a, one of my better games. I was more of a fullback in college and more of a passing type offensive scheme. So our, uh, our head coach was a former quarterback at California University, Jeff Petrucci. So he liked to throw the ball. And I was not much of a receiver, but I was a good blocker. Uh, so I was in there. You know, I got a lot of playing time as a freshman. And uh, then my sophomore, junior, and senior, I became a starter at the position. Uh, but I was mainly a blocking back and mainly a pass blocking back uh, for my you know, majority of my career. But I do remember a, a pretty good comeback against Slippery Rock. Uh, it wasn't my freshman year, either my sophomore or junior year, we were down and, and, uh, made a nice comeback and don't remember the score, but I just remember being down and, and it was a heck of a comeback and we ended up being victorious at the end. So I did a, We played them all four years, obviously being in the same conference and the games were always tight and, and, uh, they were always competitive. Yeah. I mean, that whole conference was pretty competitive, uh,
0: a lot of the schools are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to a little bit, uh, a little bit now for high school football. North Hills Indians—they have not won any titles in quite a long time. Their more recent teams have achieved the level of success. They haven't achieved achieved the level of success the squads did when you played. Although 1987 was a huge year for the school, but when we talk about, it, we'll talk about that season in a little bit. But tell our listeners what it was like <laughs> playing in two consecutive
1: conference title games, like you did,
0: winning it in 1982.
1: Yeah, it was very exciting. Uh, as a sophomore, that was our first time uh, heading to the WPL championship game. Uh, we ran a three-back set, and I was the fullback in that backfield set called the Wishbone. And uh, it was a very huge honor for me to even break the lineup uh, with the with the team that we had. But we ended up playing Mount Lebanon in the WPL championship game, and they were they were a powerhouse. Uh, Art Walker Junior.'s dad was the head coach at. Uh, Mount Lebanon and wow. they were super strong in the late seventies, all the way through to mid eighties. And uh, we ended up playing them and they took it to us pretty good. I believe the score was 35, six or 35, uh, seven wow. that year The WPL championship game, believe it or not, was played at South stadium, which is now known as couple stadium. And that's wow. where we played our WPL championship game. And you, you brought up Mark Kelso um, before the show, when we were talking, Mark, I remember him coming back, he was in college and he came back for that game and he, he went to William and Mary and he came back and I remember him being at that game and, and uh on our sidelines and rooting us on. So that wow. was you know, we took that one on a chin. That was a tough one to swallow, but we had uh we had a pretty good team returning. So the following year, which would be my junior year, we had a lot of underclassmen uh starting on that team and we limped into the playoffs. We uh were six and four. We just barely snuck in. Uh, North Allegheny was the powerhouse that year. They were the number one team in the state. Uh, they were unscored upon up until week 10, till we played them in the regular season. And they were just basically annihilating every opponent that they had. So we, we each went into the playoffs. They were top seed. We were bottom seed. They crushed their first opponent, which I believe was Hemfield High School, like 49 nothing, And we just barely got by Connellsville High School, 14 uh, nothing. Uh, so we met again in the semifinals, and uh, we beat North Allegheny 7-3 down at uh, Ambridge Stadium, Mo. Rubenstein um, Stadium. So we beat them, and then we played in the WPL Championship against Butler High School. So all these teams I'm mentioning, Hemfield used to be a powerhouse. Connellsville used to be a powerhouse. Butler used to be a powerhouse. None, you know, none of those squads are, are – you know they don't have the um, clout that they used to. But back when right. I played, there were all the – there are all the great teams. So my junior year, we played Butler at Pitt Stadium. So there were a few years in there that the WPL championship games were played at Old Pitt Stadium. So we beat Butler nine nothing, and then we had a great team returning for my senior year, which were basically all underclassmen, and we end up losing to North Allegheny in the semifinals, and I believe. I can't remember, but I believe North Allegheny ended up winning the WPL championship game that year. But wow, it, it was nice. It was sort of – North Hills had some really good teams in the late 70s and early 80s, but none of them were able to make it to the championship game. So we we were able yep. to give Coach McCurry his first WPL championship. So uh, we just had a little wow. reunion at my house with, with that team. No kidding. Uh, in the summer. Wow. Yeah, like June, I invited all the former – players from that ninety from that nineteen eighty two team over to my house. I think I had twenty one guys, uh, Coach wow. McCurry, Coach Marziel. Uh, there were you know three or four coaches that were able to make it too. So it was sorta of nice to get everyone together. Um, I found all their old jersey numbers. Uh, we, we have a room down at Mortarelli Stadium with all our old uniforms in it that nobody used, okay. So I got everyone their old game jersey and was able to oh give them gosh. their jersey. And it was sorta of, it was a nice evening. You got photos from that? I do. Yeah, I do have some photos. Oh, yep. you are going to have to share
0: those with me. Mean, I would love to see that. That must have yep, been awesome.
1: I'd, yeah, I'd be happy to share them with you.
0: It was Absolutely. a blast. Yep, Absolutely. That's really very good time. cool. I
1: had As guys flying from Houston. Our safety lives in Our safety really? lives in Houston. Our tackle lives wow. in Baltimore. He flew up. Our safety flew up. Um our tight end and defensive back lives in Virginia. He flew up. So we had three guys travel pretty pretty good distance. So it was a great night. Oh, that must have been a lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot Jack- of stories. So what, what I did also is I went down to and I got our old film projector, you know, the old reel-to-reel film yeah. projector, and I got our WPL championship game. We have a big uh, cabinet no with all of the all of the games. And we went in my garage. I shut the garage door, turned off all the lights, got Coach McCurry a big fancy chair to sit in, he sat in a chair and he ran the projector with the clicker button, just the, the sign of that projector click, 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 and rewinding it and it going off the reels. And we had to stop and turn the lights on and put it back on track. It was just, it, it flew me back, you know, 35, 40 years. And uh, I, was just I just looked say, around, you guys must it was just... So neat to see all these players. And it was just, it was yeah. a really neat moment. I was just going to say, you guys must have felt like you were back in the locker room watching film. I did. It's exactly what. <laughs> It's exactly what it felt like. And Coach oh McCurry's old saying always was, you know, he, somebody would missed a block. And he knew who missed it, but he wanted that person to admit it was them. So he would say, yeah. who, you know, who is that? Who missed that block? And the kid would say, me. And he would say, who the hell's me? There's 52 <laughs> me's in this room. So, you know, we set him up so he'd say that again. And it was, it was just a lot of fun. Well, you may have to
0: talk to Coach McCurry for me because I actually would um, send him an email actually from that directory. I try to get him on the show because I would love to have him on the show talk about that 1987
1: team. I so would, that, I would, can almost guarantee I could get him to do it for you. He, he, and I are pretty tight. And he's not real good with the technology, so he might not answer yeah. emails and text messages. But I'll, I'll call him and uh, and ask him if he'd do it for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could come on the show with them if you like uh put the both of you on at the same time, well, that will be awesome.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. So, the, the
0: 1982 championship team, they, they won the title. Um, who I think you may have mentioned
1: it, but who did they defeat to take that crown 1982? We beat we beat Butler High School 9-0. Butler. We we scored a field okay. goal, we scored a touchdown, missed the extra point, and then later in the game we kicked the field goal. Actually, so you indicate or I
0: indicated in the beginning intro to you uh, that you were a fullback, but you also served time as a kicker and you also played defensive tackle. You went on to play fullback in college, but would you have preferred another position or was running the ball or blocking for other runners
1: more natural for you? I enjoyed running the ball um, and I enjoyed blocking uh, one of the one of the halfbacks for our team was able to be at that reunion a couple months ago. You know, we joked about it. I said, everything you were is because of me because I block for you and stuff like that. But I, I enjoy blocking, but I also enjoy uh, getting the ball. And uh, I, I, you know, I felt like that was my natural position. I wasn't a 4-4-40 guy. I was more of a 4-8-40 guy. And um, so, you know, that, that, was my, that was my position. I was more like a guard in the backfield in college. We, we did run the option with me for some reason. I, I'm not an option back. But I was the lone running back in our backfield. And um I just I don't feel like I was utilized the right way. I'm I'm not an outside runner, but that's where they ran me. So you know I did what did what the coach said.
0: So how much kicking did you actually do?
1: So in high school, you know, we we talked about this. So Coach McCurry was the one that introduced me at my Hall of Fame banquet, and he claimed that. I asked him to kick. I did not want to be a kicker. I, I had no interest <laughs> in, in kicking. I never kicked up to that point. I uh, I think I was jagging around before practice the one day and he come out and must have seen me kick and I must have done it better than the other kids that were kicking. I don't remember who our kicker was before me, but it end up, you know, I ended up being our kicker too. Um so wow. my senior year we kicked and, and a funny story was um We're playing Kiski, and my my mother was very particular with the way we looked. You know, our shoes always had to be polished. I remember she had this little, almost looked like a little bottle with a sponge on the end, and she would always make sure our shoes were white whenever we went out. And I had, I had white, we wore white shoes back then, white spot built, but my kicking shoe was black. We got it, I don't know where we got it. I think Coach McCurry got it for me somewhere, but it was black. And she hated the fact that this shoe was, I had one shoe on that was white, and I, the other one that was on was black, and I only wore it whenever I was kicking. So she made me bring it home, and she polished it. She put white shoe polish on it so that oh, it would, the, they'd both be white. Badge. So we're, we're playing Kiski, and I blamed this all on my shoe. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it was me and not my shoe. But we're playing Kiski in the rain, and the shoe starts, you know, the shoe starts to, all the white stuff starts to come off. And it was real slippery, the the yes. uh, shoe polish. So I missed like three extra points that night. And I was, you know, I was a pretty good kicker. I mean, I was a straight on kicker. I had a square toed shoe and most of them went through when I kicked them. But that night I missed like three and I blamed it on my mother polishing my shoe because <laughs> when I kicked the ball, the slippery, the white stuff was slimy. And that's why I said, oh honestly. my God. So I wiped it all off on the tip and I left the shoe white, but I left the tip uh bl- the black leather part so it wouldn't be slippery anymore. That's so, hilarious kicked all that year it's we're going down and we're playing north allegheny we uh we're both pretty good teams you know I think it decided who uh who had home field advantage in the playoffs. it's zero zero it's at martarelli it's old martarelli before they put plastic on the field it's old you know old muddy Martorelli. by week ten it's just a quagmire. And it's raining. It rained all week, and it's just as muddy as can be. And it's zero-zero with sixteen seconds left, and my senior year. And I missed the previous four games because of an injury. So I'm in the huddle, and Coach McCurry calls a timeout. It's fourth and goal from like the twenty-yard line, something like that. And he comes out and he says, "He called me Kaz. That's my name." He said, "Kaz, I think we're going to kick it. And said, you think you can make it?" I said. I don't know. Coach, I don't. We I'm kicked in four weeks. I no, I don't. I don't think I can make it. He said, "Well, we're kicking it." I said, "Really?" So the kid ran out my shoe, or he threw it out. I can't remember. So they run out my shoe. I sit down in the mud and put my shoe on. I'm thinking, I don't even know if I practiced kicking in the last month. So he, uh, I put the shoe on. They snapped the ball, and I kick it with 16 seconds left, and we beat North Allegheny three nothing, and uh, wow. it was. I'm more well known for my kicking. I remember, like the years after that, people say, "Oh, yeah, you're the kicker from North Hills." I said, "Well, I was a running back for North Hills, but I kicked on the side." But I was more remembered yeah. for my kicking than I was my uh, for my running back duties. But it, it actually, yeah, got but a, actually got me out of actually got me out of going through a stop sign ticket once. So oh no! Take it. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I was sitting back yeah, to college. He, uh- and I used to uh-huh. drive back a girl who lived up by, um, up by Northway Mall actually, and I went through a stop sign. Okay, and I got pulled over by the Ross Police, and he looked at my license. It was just the year prior; it was my freshman year in college, uh-huh. and he said, "I I remember we either got him kicked the field goal against N.A. A," and I said, oh, "Yeah, my he, God, he let me go." So
0: <laughs>
1: that's it paid hilarious.
0: Off. So, so he did tackle, play some defensive said, tackle. Yeah. Any sacks? What's that? Any sacks as defensive tackle?
1: No. No. I remember chasing quarterbacks around. I was more of a sub on defense. So what would happen is we'd kick off. I'd go over and I'd take my shoe off. They'd have a guy to go in and play, and then then I'd go in for him. And then, you know, since I played offense and and kicked off, I didn't get a whole lot of time at defensive tackle. Probably Mm -hmm. probably 10 or 12 snaps a game at tackle. Yeah. Um, I was aggressive. I'd run up the field and they'd trap me a lot. So um, Coach Norman got, would get mad at me a lot because I'd get trapped. So I wasn't a great defensive tackle. I just caused any chaos in running records, around. Like, school kicking records? You hold um, any? No, I don't hold any kicking records. I, no. they, Of course, okay. when I came back and coached for Coach McCurry, he you know made me the kicking mm-hmm. coach, even though I didn't want to do that. I had to. You know, help out yeah. with that amongst being a running back coach yeah. and some defensive back coach. So I would always tell the kickers that I held records, but I didn't hold any records. Mm-hmm. I told them I held yeah. this record. I told them I never missed an extra point <laughs> or never missed a field goal. <laughs> you know, they can't look at stuff up. It's not anywhere. So as far as they right. know, I hold a whole bunch of records.
0: <laughs> hey, that's, that's all that matters. Uh, California had some pretty good success there any thoughts of ever
1: turning pro or walk on somewhere perhaps No I, you know, I'm 5'7 uh 205 pounds in college uh like I said I didn't have blazing speed I just played with a lot of heart and desire and I loved the sport and um I never never had any aspirations of of playing pro football. footballs very realistic my dad did my dad always you know, dreamt of me playing for the Steelers or whatever, but he—I mm. you know, don't think he knew what a pro athlete, you know, what it needed to be a pro athlete. I did not have that athleticism, but yeah, you know, I would dream about playing well. in a backyard like any other kid. But <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty realistic when it comes to things. Sometimes too realistic, and I never had any, never had any aspirations. I, to be honest with you, when I went to college, it was sort of a letdown. Uh, from North Hills, you know, North Hills back in the 80s was, you know, we were the king of, of football. You know, there's no, sure. nothing, sure, uh, nothing better than North Hills football in the 80s and even in the early uh-huh. 90s and late 70s, you know, late 70s, 80s and early 90s. I mean, we were we were the, the thing. And when yeah. I went to California University, I didn't really know any better. I went there because I wanted to be a technology education teacher and mm-hmm. that was the only school around that had it and they also had football, and, and uh, so I played, and it just it was a letdown. When I went there, the, you know, we had probably one-tenth of fans we had at North Hills. The band mm-hmm. wasn't as good, and the level of competition was better. It was better football than I thought, but it just yeah. never had that same excitement to me as mm-hmm. playing at Martorelli Stadium on a Friday night.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, and I talked
1: to friends that went to Michigan. I have my good friend of uh-huh. mine. Who was a person I was going to recommend to you, T.J. Osmond? He had yeah. played in four Rose Bowls, and he said uh-huh. the same thing. He says North Hills—it just nothing ever had that same intensity, and it meant as much to me as playing at yeah. North Hills High School.
0: Yeah, and talking to Steve last weekend, he two points. He was talking about playing in the NFL, and he said it's it's tough. He says you've got to be mm-hmm. mentally tough, physically tough. Yeah, um, he said. Some of these young guys aren't ready for that. And the second point I was telling him as well is, yeah, North Hills football, I clearly remember every Friday going out, Margarelli Stadium, fourth quarter. I don't know if they still yeah. do it. They have four fingers up, chanting four. It was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we lived so for Friday fun. nights.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So my college alma mater had six yeah. players who got to the NFL – including Greg Patera, Chuck Sanders, and a friend of mine while I was there, Rick Porter, made the NFL. For your alma mater, I was able to find 11 names. Tommy Campbell, Brendan Fulmer, Eric Cush, Kevin McCabe, Rontez Miles, C.J. Goodwin, Eric Harris, Perry Kemp, Wes Cates, Terry O'Shea, and Dewey McDonald. You know any of those guys?
1: Yes. So um, Terry O'Shea and I went in together. He played at Seaton LaSalle. And we were same class. You know, we played all four hmm. years together. He was a tight end, a uh, pretty good tight end, probably 6'5", wow. back then, which is pretty big. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. yeah he had a nice career. He, he ended up red-shirting, so he played one year after I was done. And Then the, you said Brendan Fulmer as well? Yeah. Yeah, Brendan Fulmer was our quarterback um, my sophomore and junior year. He was from California High School, which is right in town there. And then uh-huh. you have a Kevin Russell on there? I didn't hear you say Kevin Russell. Uh, No. No, yeah, I didn't Kevin see Russell that one. Kevin was Russell was the quarterback my freshman year, and he played for the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's oh, no actually kidding. one more there. He, he, wow. He, he had all the passing records up until uh, California sort of changed gears a little bit. They went more with the Division I uh, transfer type of kids probably 10, 12 years ago. And they mm-hmm. had a, they had a quarterback come in Porter or Portis, and he just—I think he broke everyone's records. But yeah, you know, I got—you know—I played two of my quarterbacks were um, quarterbacks that played in the NFL, so that's that's not too bad. Excellent. Well,
0: what do you remember most about playing for California, James?
1: I guess what I remember most is—I um, guess our freshman year we won the PSAC. We we uh, oh, beat IUP which I didn't know any of the rivalries. I, I knew a little mm-hmm. bit about the Peace Act, but I never really, you know, I paid a little bit of attention to college football growing up. I wasn't a diehard Pitt or diehard Penn State fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was on TV. I'd watch it. So I really didn't know a whole lot. I didn't know the difference between division one, division two, and division three football. Yeah. Not like kids do now. I mean, kids know all that stuff. I just yeah. never paid attention. I was too busy doing other things and, than to uh, pay attention to that. So when I went there, I didn't know who our rival was. I didn't know who we haven't beaten years. So we I go in yeah. sort of blindly and, and we haven't beaten IUP in years and years. And we end mm-hmm. up beating them to get first place in the I guess the Western Conference. And then we played the winner of the Eastern Conference, which was Bloomsburg, and we end up beating them and so my freshman year we won uh we won a PEC, which was exciting. So I'd have to say that was my most uh most memorable um, moment at California university.
0: Yeah, it's pretty neat. I'm just going to throw this out there. But when I was at Slippery Rock and uh, twice we, we did this the second time I was the sports broadcaster for the radio station, got to call the football game, but the university of Michigan invited Slippery Rock up to play in their stadium. Uh, It was called band day. And we got to play against one of our own uh, schools, but they wanted us to come in and play in their stadium I don't know if you've ever been in the university of Michigan stadium, but most stadiums you walk in, you're at the bottom level and you walk up to your seat. This one's like a big hole in the ground. So when I walked up to the stadium and you walk in the front gate, you're already at the top of the stadium. So I walked in, I was like, Holy crap. And you look down, it's just, this tremendous stadium. And I think it seats like (laughs) 106,000 now. And we had 30 or 40,000 people there. And it looked like it was empty. Uh, It was crazy. It was so much fun though. And, very cool stadium.
1: Who, who uh, did, did Slipper Rock play? Do you remember? Uh,
0: Wayne State. Wayne State. I think oh, it was Wayne State, State both times. Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the oh, first I mean, game I went you up. You said a memorable
1: uh, moment. You said a memorable moment. When you said Wayne State, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that it was Cal and not Teal. So we played them and we parked our bus out on the, out on the street for Wayne State and our bus got broken into and they stole all our stuff. So I do remember that. So that's another member. of my gosh. That was Wayne. That was Wayne state.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know when we went up there, um, and the first time I went up as a student and our student body went up there and went in droves. And I believe Ann Arbor was ready to throw us out of the town afterwards. Cause all, they, all the students do was hang out all night and drink all night and party. And it was yeah. hilarious. And so they didn't like us too much. But the second time around, I went as the uh, sports broadcaster for the, the football team and they put us in the media booth. And it was like being a, in a professional booth. It was so cool. It was a, Big step up from doing our little radio station stuff in Slippery Rock. A lot lot of of fun. fun. Uh, Once you played, uh, finished playing football, you became a coach, as we indicated. So, what sticks out the most for you regarding coaching football?
1: Well, I remember, I remember getting my first teaching job. My dad was a steel salesman in Pittsburgh, and I was working out in the out in the, the yard moving steel around or doing something. I remember him walking out and saying there you got that job at, at um Greenville High School. They must have called home and then my mom called my dad. It was before cell phones. My mom called my dad. My dad walked out and he said, Well, you got that job at Greenville High School. Do you do you uh you know you want to continue working here? I said, Well I'll finish my shift today, but no, I don't you know, I have to prepare to be a teacher. So I remember getting my job at Greenville, and then uh, my wife, my soon-to-be wife, we drove up. We checked out the town. I, you know, didn't know too much about it, and I got offered the head coaching job for the seventh and eighth grade team at Greenville High School. And the uh, coach at that point's name was Bob Stone, and he was a legendary coach for that school, just like Coach McCurry is for North Hills. And he was there. A, Hundred year, hundred years had thousands of wins. You know, just an unbelievable coach, unbelievable program, and just did a great job. So I met him, and we sort of hit it off. And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to be your seventh and eighth grade coach." So I come back, and I'm talking to one of my uh, classmates from North Hills, Mike Miller. He played at Delaware, and he said, "You know, there's a college in that town called Teal College. One of our classmates went there." And I said, "No, I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know where Teal College was." So he said, why don't you coach there instead of you know, middle school, instead of junior high? So I said, okay, next time up, my wife and I, we drove up, went, checked out Teal College, and I'm walking through, checking out the school, and I'm in the gymnasium uh, of the college, and a guy's walking through with a box, and he said, can I help you? And I said, oh, my name's Jim Cassandra. I'm, you know, I'm getting married next week or next month, whatever it was, and uh, I just thought I'd check out the college played football here, did this. He said, well, I'm the new head football coach. My name's Dale Liston. I just moved here from Wichita, Kansas. I'm going to be the new head coach at Teal College. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I'm looking to build my staff. So I went up and met with him, and we talked, and he offered me a job. So then now I had to go back and tell Bob Stone from Greenville that I didn't want his job as junior high coach. and So I went drove over to see him and told him, and he said, I don't know think you're making a big mistake. He said, Teal College, they haven't been good in years, and you know, they, they don't even have their own field, and blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, I know, but I think I'd rather coach college than, um, than high school, or than middle school. So I went on to Teal College, and I uh, got married. Immediately following my uh, honeymoon, we moved up to Greenville, and I start coaching there. We were 0-9 my first year. I remember oh, no. I've, I've heard people tell stories. We lined a field. We watered a field. We, honest to God, we lined a field. We watered a field. Uh, <laughs> we put grass seed on it. We did all that stuff that people talk about you doing whenever you start, uh, you know, at a small school. And, and we did it. We lined a field. We They had an old yellow Jeep. I remember we'd bring the supplies out. We'd put the paint in it that little machine and we put the lines on the practice field. It was just, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity for me. I did uh coach here for four years. Each year we got wow. better, but uh-huh. uh, it was, it was an experience. I, I enjoyed well, it. I,
0: I had heard of Teal. So uh, it wasn't like a obscure school. I mean, I definitely heard of Teal when I was in college in my younger days. So it's yeah. not like it's an unknown school. Um, But you also coached lacrosse, uh, and you, I believe, uh, coached the women's team. Um,
1: I did. So what were your most successful girls teams that you coached as lacrosse coach? My most successful team was this past season. Um, Okay. We we had a tremendous group of girls. They overachieved. Um, I sort of – Sort of went about things a little bit differently than I normally have because I knew this was my last year. I was sort of probably a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more easygoing than I than I normally was. But I got into coaching the girls lacrosse because my daughter joined lacrosse and she played in seventh and eighth grade, I believe. And when ninth grade came along, she was at now in high school. And the coach the coach quit right before the season, or maybe a month or so before the season. And I remember my daughter calling me. They had a parents meeting, and she called me and uh, said, "Dad, you know we're not gonna we're not gonna have a team this year because we don't have a coach. So you coach." I said, "Carly, I said I don't I don't know anything about lacrosse. I go to your um, games. I I don't have any idea what you guys are doing. The uh-huh. ref always blows a whistle. I have no idea why they're blowing the whistle." She said, <laughs> "Oh, Dad, you coach football. It's it's similar." I said, "No, it's not similar." It's similar. Um, I said, I, you know, I don't know anything about it. I wouldn't feel comfortable. So she was disappointed. And, um, I said, no. So like a week later, they still didn't have a coach. Now it was only like three weeks before the season starts. And I end up the, the head principal at the time, the athletic director and our superintendent come down to my room, my classroom at the high school and basically tricked me into being the, the girls' <laughs> head coach. I said, we're not going to have anybody. The season's going to be canceled. We'll do whatever you want, whatever you need. We'll get you new uniform. We'll do this. We'll do that. So I end up, I said, okay, I'll do it. And when they left, I'm thinking, what Why did I just agree to this for? Why would I ever do that? I know nothing about this sport. So about three weeks before our first game, and I hit the YouTube channel super hard, um, watched as many videos. I, I couldn't even tell you at that point, How many kids were on a field? How many players were supposed to be on a field at a time? So I had a lot to learn, but it was fun and it was exciting. Um, I hired a girl that actually played at Slipper Rock, um, Crawford, Emily Crawford. She played at Slipper Rock's club team, and she played at North Hills, and she was a a, uh, long-term sub at one of our elementary schools. So I hired her as my assistant, and together it was like the perfect combination. I know how to coach kids. I know how to motivate kids but I obviously didn't know anything about the sport. She was a young girl. She was 20. She didn't know how to coach yet. She didn't know how to motivate kids yet, but she knew the sport. So us combined, it was like a perfect, it was just a very harmonious, I don't even know if that's a word. It was just, everything seemed to work really well that first year. We made the playoffs. We lost to Bethel Park, but it was just a really magical year. I had a lot of fun. I I went in thinking, am I even going to like coaching girls? I end up liking coaching lacrosse more than I like coaching football. I just enjoyed it. They smelled better. Uh, they had better temperaments after games. Uh, lost or won. It was just, the whole thing was just a very welcoming moment in my career that I needed. Because football, I p- started playing when I was six. I coached right out of college. I've been doing the same thing. I go to a clinic and I listen to the same cl- clinic talk a year after year after year. And I didn't feel like I was learning or growing. Whereas lacrosse, I go to a clinic I said, Oh my God, you know, I didn't know that. Every time I yeah. go to a clinic, I'd learn something and I'd leave excited and mm-hmm. couldn't wait to implement it. So really, it really rejuvenated me and made me excited to be a, a teacher and a coach again. And so I thank my daughter for tricking me into to being the coach. And then she played one year and she changed high schools. So she didn't even play um, she oh, went to no. Lincoln Park. Um, one of those, what are those high school called? That you know, they—I uh, forget what they call them. A charter school. So she went to Lincoln Park yeah, Charter yeah. School okay. and didn't even play after her freshman year. But I thank her all the time because it was—it was a highlight of my teaching and coaching career. Was coaching these girls.
0: Well, I've got a funny lacrosse story I got to share because when I was a freshman at Slippy Rock, there was a guy on my dorm yeah. floor. It was a football player, big defensive tackle, but you know he was just like one well, i don't know—I don't even know how to describe this guy. But so there was a lacrosse players on the floor. Now this guy was very, very strange. He would go around smelling things. Yeah. You know why I have no idea. He would go into like the wreck area. He would scratch something, and sniff it. And we we're like all like you know, this guy uh, there's something wrong with him. So he kept going into this. These guys on my floor, they look la- I- I- who played lacrosse, just walk into their room and start acting very strange. And they told him, they said, "Listen, dude, if you come back in the room again, I am going to take my lacrosse stick with this ball and throw it at you and hit you in the head." And I guess he refused to listen. And you know what a lacrosse ball feels like. I mean, they're hard oh, as yeah. rocks. So sure yep, enough, the yep. guy goes back into their room, and he picks up the stick and whoof, t- shoots at this guy, hits him smack in the middle of the forehead, and he looks at the ball, Ooh. picks it up, and smells it and tosses it back to him. And we're like, okay, it's time to start locking doors.
1: Uh, there's this guy. Yeah, right.
0: It's <laughs> out of his mind. He's
1: much- wow. Weird. Yeah, weird. That's, that's a little crazy there. Yeah, those those yeah. balls could kill you. That's like a rock hitting you.
0: Uh huh. Well, That's what I was like. I was like, How did he just take that? I'm like, They hit him right smack in the middle of the forehead. I was like, What? Oh, anyway, um, so I, I I was gone a long time from North Hills by the time you became a teacher. But I'm just curious, what classes did you teach?
1: Well, the main class I taught were engineering classes. I taught second level engineering and architecture. I taught a class called transportation design, and mm. I taught classes in interior design field. So I did mostly the engineering and architecture classes at North Hills high school.
0: Oh, wow. what did you major in in college?
1: Technology education. There you go. Okay. Yep.
0: Well, let's, let's take a step back now. Let's talk about 1987. That's the one and only time I'm aware of that our high school football team finished the season ranked number one in the country by USA Today. The team was 13 and 0 and coached by Jack McCurry, who you already mentioned but more incredible about this team was that they outscored their opponents 435 to 20. I mean, that, that's on—that's ridiculous. A ridiculous set of numbers and unfathomable. But consider, too, that 11 of those 13 victories were shutouts, and the first team never surrendered a single point. This might be the greatest high school football team in history. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Now, I was in college during that time, but I— you know, I'm a North Hills guy, I love North Hills kids, I love North Hills sports. So I would come back. You know, if I had a chance, if we didn't have an away game that we were having to travel the night before and stay in a hotel, I would come back to the to the North Hills games and watch them. So I was able to watch several of those games and I was at the championship game down at Three River Stadium and that was one heck of a football team. Uh Pat Carey, our current head coach, was yeah, he was a uh, member of that team. He was a running back and a safety on that team. Wow! And they were they were unbelievable. I think he told me they had sixteen Division One football players on that team. Holy crap! Wow! Yeah, that, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned but they were Pets- mean. I mean, they were nasty. Yeah, they were mean. Uh huh. And they they were if you even got close to scoring on them, I mean, they would they would get upset and they wouldn't they wouldn't let you score. They were they they they'd get mad when people tried to. Uh, kick a field goal just to, wow. you know, eliminate a shutout. Wow. They, they should have made Remember the Titans about North Hills High School in 1987.
0: They should That's what it sounds like. They definitely should have. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you mention before Penn State, but here you are with a Penn State jersey on. So what's that all about? Yeah, my,
1: well, like growing up, I didn't, like I said before, I could care less, pit Penn State. i watch whatever's on TV. But as I got older I became a pit fan. I lived in the city and you know start rooting for them and paying attention to them a little bit. And then my daughter who got me involved in the cross went to Penn State. And um so my wife and I we start going to the games. And you said about 106,000 or whatever at, at Michigan. I think yeah. they actually hold more than like 115. Wow. Penn State's 109, I know wow and going to my first game i remember my daughter's a freshman it's the first game of the year and i i'm i'm literally i start tearing up i'm thinking oh my god she gets to enjoy this she gets to go to this wonderful university and be involved in this this, this spirit and and um the camaraderie that the students have and the The uh, excitement and the the pride that they have for the university and their Mm -hmm. team—it's just unbelievable. And I sort of became a Penn State fan over the years. My wife and I would go to at least a couple games, you know, a couple games a year. And even though she's been out of school four years now, Uh but it's fun. If you've never been to a Penn State game, you gotta you gotta attend one. It's it's one of a kind. Yeah.
0: Well, let's let's put the icing on the keg for your football and coaching career because this year you were inducted into the North Hills School District Sports Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate you on that. And you joined the previously mentioned Steve Fidel and our great coach Jack McCurry. But how's that honor feel for you, James? And what's that mean to you?
1: Well, Horvath, it means the world to me, to be honest with you. Um, I feel undeserving. I I see people like Steve Fidel, LeVar Arrington, Coach McCurry, Mm -hmm. Coach Nauman. Uh, those types of people in the hall of fame, and then I think of myself, you know, I don't think of myself at the level they're at, but um, I'm going to keep my plaque, I'm not going to turn it back in, but <laughs> I, I think of myself, um, you know, what it's it's a heck of an honor, you know, I, I always prided myself in working hard, I always prided myself in showing up early, uh, never missing, and I think that's the combination of, of my coaching and my teaching and my uh, playing, I think all those things combined into me getting in. I don't think just my coaching would have got me in. I don't think just my playing would have got me in. I don't think just my teaching would have got me in, even though it's not, you know, uh, it's not an athletic event. But I think those three things combined is is how I got in. And, And I was honored that Coach McCurry was the one that wanted to put me in. He asked, you know, he told me about this time last year. He said, I'd like to nominate you and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, for the hall of fame. So for me, it sort of validates that if a guy like him wants to put me in, then, you know, I feel honored and I feel worthy of the, of the honor. But deep down inside, I think, Oh my goodness. I see some of these pictures on the wall up there Mm -hmm. and, you know, I can't hold a candle to what some of these people have done like Ah. Mark Kelso and some of these other people. But, um, you know, I'm very proud of it, and mm-hmm. it'll be up there for a long time, and hopefully, my kids and grandkids can mm-hmm. see it. And, uh, but it does make me proud, but I don't feel worthy to be honest with well.
0: you. Wow. You should feel worthy, James, because they wouldn't have put you in there if you if you didn't belong there. Um, one interesting thing is that, um, and it's kind of a sad note. Uh, we, Steve and I talked about it the other day. I don't know if you knew Ed Krankovic or not, but we brought that name up because he's in the and he was a year uh, behind me, and we were talking about how just how tragic an event it was that, you know, when Ed Krankovic uh, drowned in a, on, while on vacation. Yes. And he was such a great basketball player. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday. It was such a, a dark day at North Hills because Ed was such a nice guy. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to bring that up because he's also in the poll. And the other interesting names. when I got my directory this year, Jerry Yee was on the back cover and I found out that Jerry Yee, who was in my class, great tennis player, became a, a fantastic doctor, also passed away this year. I was like, oh my God,
1: it's just, what a shame. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the, with the tennis player, but... Ed Crankovic, I definitely, have heard that name, and I remember that story and how sad it was. And um, you yeah, know, I remember my two older sisters, you know, being upset about that because they mm-hmm. knew him. And uh, yeah, that was that was horrible.
0: Yeah, he was a, he yeah. really truly was a great basketball player, a great guy. Um, so I can't let you leave the show, Steve uh, James, without talking about Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, we're we're both diehard Steelers, Steelers. fans. Um, let's just talk right. about this year because all the buzz is about Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett. And I uh, told Steve the other day when Pickett was being drafted, this buzz was that his hands were too small for the NFL. I said, <laughs> that's the silliest thing yeah. I've ever heard. Um, but what's your overall view of the Steelers right now this season? And the one question I asked Steve was, what's it going to take to get these guys back to the Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're close to the Super Bowl or not. I'm, I'm hoping – you know, after this bye week, that you know they've been working on some things, and I listened a little bit to Coach Tomlin's show um, this afternoon. You know, his Tuesday show he puts on, and and some of the things they have in store for next week. But my take on it, you know, being a coach, um, being an offensive coordinator for for a few years, and it's a it's a tough position, and um, and I feel bad for the guy, I really do. And I, but I, when I do watch his offense, it does look very simplistic and it does look very high schoolish if that's a word and um you know I don't I don't like to see anybody suffer I don't like to see anybody booed I don't you know I don't care what level you are whether you're a middle school coach or a professional coach I you know, I, I feel for that I look at that man and he has a wife he has kids and his maybe grandkids or nieces and nephews so I feel for him I'm sure he wants to score more points And I don't know, you know, I don't know what the problem is. Looking at it, you know, I think as an outsider, which I am, you know, I think I can solve some of the problems. I look at some things I think he can do better. But do I really know what goes on behind the scenes? No. And that was some of the issues. You know, I remember even coaching at the high school level. Everyone on the outside is an expert. But people really don't know what's going on in practice. People really don't know you know, if this person's injured or if this person's not doing their job or deserves to be in the lineup. So I, I listen to these talk shows. I've been called in a couple times on them. Mm-hmm. But I'm always viewing things as a coach. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, do we all really know what's going on? So sure. um, I'm hoping for the best. I It doesn't irritate me like it used to when they lose. You know, with the back 10, 15, 20 years ago when they would lose, I'd be upset till – Wednesday. Now it's over. said, so I'm not getting any more money if they win or lose. What difference does it make for me? Um, so it, I let it roll off my back a little bit easier than I used to. But um, I don't I don't know what the answer is. Um, yeah. You know, I, I like Coach Tomlin. I, I like listening to him. I think he's a good coach. Um, can they bring in somebody better, do a better job? I don't know. So I'm I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert because I know I'm not – Um, I just know we need to we need to play better. We need to make more plays and uh, just need a little bit more flow and continuity with our offense. And hopefully this guy, you know, this guy will get it, get it going. I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I really am Uh, because I hate to see anybody get on in a pile of flames.
0: Well, I've had this discussion, and Matt Canada obviously has got to take some of the blame, but one of the things in my discussions has been that you still have to execute. The players have to execute. Mm-hmm. So it's not always just about the play calling. Yeah. If the players don't play, you're not going to get success. And I really thought the team was going to be way better than they were last year, this year, and I, I still think they may turn it around. Uh, Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., those two guys,
1: think they should start? I do. Yeah, so do I. Do. You make that type of investment. I've watched Joey Porter. Uh we scrimmaged them. We scrimmaged North Allegheny in a seven on seven, you know, five, six years ago, whatever it was, and he was there and he was a freak of an athlete. Wow. And uh I didn't I didn't know it was Joey Porter's son at the time until no on the way home, uh Pat Carey told me that that's who it was. But um, you know, you gotta play those guys. You make this big investment in it. Uh-huh. Put them on the field, let, you know, let them play out their mistakes, and uh, so I think those two should be in there. Well, I listen,
0: I listened to this other podcast, Locked On Steelers, with Chris Carter, uh, and he said in this morning's podcast that he said he would be completely shocked if Broderick Jones does not start this this uh, this Sunday. He said he would, it would be a major mistake if Tomlin doesn't start him. And I think Joey Porter has already proved himself as well. I think the kid – and when they drafted him, oh, my God, I was like, this is going to be awesome for the Steelers because mm-hmm. the fans are going to love this guy just because his father yeah. played for the Steelers. So, All right. yeah. Um, so let's, we'll see what happens with the Steelers. But I, I think they're, they're going to do well. And you can't argue against victories. And Mike Tomlin <laughs> – Right. that's all he does is win. He hasn't had a losing season in 15 yeah. years. And every year he's been coach, he's right. been a winner. And by the way, I got to, I was lucky enough, I got to go to Super Bowl 43 down in, in, in Tampa. Oh, uh,
1: wow.
0: So wow. I had an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. I said, oh my gosh, this is, I've got to get to a Super Bowl. Uh, it was yeah. a lot of fun. Unfortunately, when Roethlisberger threw that winning touch, the touchdown pass, I was at the other end of the stadium, so I didn't get to see it. Um, San Antonio, it was forty
1: three the Cardinals? It was forty three the, yeah, 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 the Cardinals? Yeah, yeah, the Cardinals won San Antonio oh, Homes. So you got to see the hundred yard. Yep. you got to see the hundred yard James. Yeah, that uh,
0: I got to see. Uh, I was jumping yeah. out of my seat on that one. But then when San Antonio Holmes caught that pass, I was at the other end of the stadium, so I had to see it on instant replay up on the jumbotron. But uh, t- to this day, that's one of the most amazing touchdown catches in a Super Bowl I've ever seen. The fact that he was wow. able to keep his toes inbounds which is mm-hmm. incredible. Um uh,
1: Yeah.
0: Well, as we close the show, James, tell our listeners what your plans are in retirement and any involvement you have with local Pittsburgh sports still. And do you have any children that became athletes? We already talked about your daughters.
1: Well, yeah, my daughter Carly. I have two children, Carly and Kara. Carly is twenty five and Kara is thirty. Um Kara was a high school swimmer. She was a gymnast, got hurt, went into swimming. Swam all through high school and swam in college. Um, she went to school for architecture and come out. And she is a uh, practicing interior designer in the North Hills. And my daughter Carly uh, played lacrosse up until ninth grade. She's a very talented actress and um, wow, theater arts kid at Lincoln Park High School. Huh. Went to Penn State and she got her teaching degree and she teaches. First grade in Charleston School District, down in Charleston, South Carolina. And then my wife, Beth, It was she was in the flag line at North Hills. Oh, wow. And we met in ninth grade. We've been together ever since. And she is a school nurse out at Pine Richland School District. Outstanding. And my plans for retirement, uh, this summer I got my school bus driver's license. Oh, right. Wow. Always on all these trips I've ever gone on, the football, lacrosse field trips. I've always enjoyed talking to the bus drivers. I always thought they were the most interesting people. Uh, They always (laughs) seemed like they had some type of backstory about them. And I said, you know what, I think it'll be fun to be a bus driver. So I talked to the company, ABC Bus, and it seemed like it would take three days to get my bus driver's license. So I got into it, and it took me the entire summer. I, I can't imagine... Getting your pilot's license would be more difficult than what I went through this summer to get my bus driver's license. It was three weeks in the classroom and then two weeks actually driving the bus. And then finally you have to go up to the DMV, take four uh, tests on a computer, and and then go out for an hour and a half and do a driving test. It was very in-depth, and if I'd have known how in-depth it was, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. But I have my bus driver's license now, and I drive all these sports teams around. And I get, oh, wow. I've seen the girls' volleyball team. I've seen the middle school cross-country team. I've seen the middle school soccer, boys and girls, A and B team. And um, I, today I took the uh, kids up to a field trip at Beechwood Farms and Camp Guy Suda. So I'm getting to do all these things that I would never get to do, and it's sort of fun being a bus driver. Yeah. Um, I'm not driving regular routes. I'm only doing, you know, extracurricular things. Yeah. But it's fun. I can't wait to drive my girls' lacrosse team to their first game. Uh-huh. And uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I still run the engineering club at the high school. Oh, cool. I have a club that I started in 2000. I brought them to Falling Water. I got to drive the bus oh, to nice. uh, Falling Water. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. And I watched my granddaughter. And Uh-huh. That's about it. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, I had thought about doing a bus driver thing once, before as well and then there there was a period where I was out in the corporate world here and I was looking for jobs and I thought about being a FedEx driver and so I thought I was going to be driving one of these little FedEx yeah. vehicles around and instead they yeah. they, they train you in one of these 50 foot trucks and I got in that thing
1: yeah.
0: I, I was like uh-uh <laughs> trying to reverse that and everything yeah. else I was like no, 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 not for me um, so yeah, uh, well, I'd like to thank James. Oh, by the way, too, I was going to mention, uh, you can tell your daughters, they, they may know Kevin Glavin or not, but he's a famous opera singer in Pittsburgh.
1: I just saw Kevin, my wife and I just had dinner at Severino's two weeks ago. Are you and serious? And Kevin was there, and he came up to me. Oh, my gosh. And he said, Are you John Cassandra?" I said, no, that's my brother. <laughs> so we start talking, and, yep. and uh, he, he congratulated me for going into the Hall of wow. Fame. He must have heard of uh-huh. somewhere. So we sat and talked, he, he, myself, and my wife, we sat and talked for a half hour. Yeah. what? And he's friends oh, with my sister, Lisa, who you graduated with. Well, that's small
0: world yeah. because uh, Kevin's brother yeah. Mike and I were our best friends. We're best friends. I haven't talked to him in a few oh, years wow. now, but um, and yeah. Kevin, I used to, I know Kevin very well, and I followed his career as well because you know he's a fantastic opera singer. So that's kind of neat. What a small world! So next time you talk to him, if yeah. you do, yeah. you tell him Harv said hello. He'll he'll be like what? You I will. talk to Harv Aronson. I will. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, that'll come as a nice surprise to him. Well, I'd like to thank James Cassandra for joining Total Sports Recall as a guest. And it's always an honor to have a fellow graduate of North Hills High School on the show, just like many athletes before and after you, James. You've made the school proud with your accomplishments. You're always welcome to be a guest on this show. And with that said, I'll give you a chance to have any parting words.
1: Nope, Thank you, Harv. I enjoyed it. This is my first podcast, and uh, I look forward oh, to listening to some of your other uh, North Hills podcasts. So thank you.
0: Excellent. Well, for Total Sports Recall, this is your host, Harv Aronson, and next week there will be yet another episode of the show. Several sports people have been booked for interviews for the show. and announcement for those can be found on my Twitter page using my handle, at TSRhar59. You may also reach me with any comments or suggestions by email to totalsportsrecall at gmail.com. Be sure to visit my YouTube channel, Total Sports Recall, and my website, www.totalsportsrecall.com. For James Cassandra, this is Harv Aronson, wishing everyone a wonderful week ahead. In tribute to James's college alma mater, I present the University of California, Pennsylvania, marching band with the school fight song. contents of this podcast does not represent the opinions of others and is solely the opinions of Harv Aronson based on his experience, knowledge, and research.